We're here. We made it. Look at us. Look at us go. We hit double digits. This is episode 10 of the Down by Two podcast. Oh, babe. <laughs> I'm there. Jeez. I'm your co-host, Josh Elijah, to my right. Mikey! What up, what up? Just enjoying my uh, Yup Light. It's crisp and it's light, and I love it. 100 calories, baby. It's good to be back. Yo, we took a couple weeks off. It's been it's been busy. We've, we've been busy bees. Fuck me. I was getting the jitters. It's been uh, like two weeks since I sat behind this microphone. I didn't know if I knew how to do it anymore. Yo, I, still I still don't it. know if I... I don't even know if I still know how to do it. Nah, if I ever could do it. You did. But you, I'm fucked. Yo, you've been. You've been doing it. All you fucks are still listening, so uh, we're here. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yo, it's just been it's been crazy. Like you, uh, the proud new father of a fur baby. Oh, I fucking been. <laughs> I got a child. Let me tell you, this dog, yeah. it's life changing for the worst. Man. And the better. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's hear both <laughs> sides. That'd be sides. dramatic. Let's I hear, love, let's hear I both love sides. Okay. Because now you put the buggy in my girl's ear, and then now all of a sudden we're just showing me yeah. pictures of chocolate yeah. labs. You're, and six, fucking... you're six months out. Oh. Yeah. So no. Nat and I, Nat, my wife. Yeah. Uh, We've been back and forth on getting a dog for, it seems like, a year now. And uh, one came up, a work friend of hers, got a, a golden retriever, and there's an extra one in the litter. So we you got to yeah, do it. Then. Yeah, we went out and seen her, just wondering, just feeling it out, testing the waters. And everyone knows if you go to see the dog, it's yours. you're hooked. Yeah. So, yeah, we got a little uh, girl golden retriever. Her name's Rue. Ruby. She's adorable. Ruby. Yeah, she's a little monster. <laughs> but anyone that has a, has gotten a pup knows, like, it's... It is a lot of work. It is. I mean, that's that's a that's a child. My day consists of getting up, carrying her outside till she pisses her shits, cheering her on at five thirty <laughs> in the morning, so Yo, clapping, good. saying "Great job, Rui," <laughs> bringing her back in, feeding her, and then playing tug of war so she doesn't uh, chew up all my shit. And then I leave for work, and Nat's stuck with her. So she, Nat's been grinding. She's a hero right oh, now. But man. Beautiful yeah. dog. Love her. Wouldn't, uh, Sleep schedule's got to be fucked. It's got to be out the window. Yeah, crate training. That's another process, too. I know. Adorable uh, pup, though. Adorable pup. Yeah. My, my cat, uh, Ellie, is having a little bit of trouble. That's a little heartbreaking. But they'll, they'll, they'll grow on each other, I hope. She hasn't been uh, She hasn't been accustomed to uh, to having the pup no, around. She's the queen, as uh, some yeah, of you as it should probably be. know. She's been there. Yeah, she's been. Uh, but, uh yeah, we'll see. They'll they'll work it out. It's fun. Honestly, I think if if we ended up getting a dog, like it, like Lunette might actually just fucking kill it. Like her cat is a, <laughs> a royal bitch. Yo, you gotta and get like, a you gotta get a healthy sized dog because yeah. uh, the cat will take its eyes out. Yeah, bull mastiff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just oh man by, by six weeks it's gonna have a scar over its one eyelid yeah be a true fucking bull like lion king fucking <laughs> they're gonna think you're fucking fighting dogs and cats in the backyard yeah man so i mean like yeah just don't give amanda any more ideas no please get you got it please <laughs> it's okay because she then we can have dog dates and you don't have to look at don't me don't worry like, she doesn't listen to this podcast she'll yeah. never hear this <laughs> <laughs> you're right yeah i uh i was i was laughing though because when uh when Amanda came over and she was looking at the dog, she kind of has the look like, oh, yeah, it is kind of yeah, cute. But, and then, but you know that when you guys leave and that's anyone that visits us right now, they leave and you're just like, holy fuck, that's a shit show. That kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone has that when they have a friend that has like a baby or a dog and they see it's chaos and they leave and we're like, we're good for now. <laughs> we're, we're, that pe- we're the people right now that everyone's saying that. So it's kind of funny, but <sighs> hey. Hilarious. 
Yeah. Well, um, man, I mean, like we've, I guess we've been doing some stuff behind the scenes as well for, uh, for the podcast, making a little bit of time for that. So I've been doing a little bit of that. But, uh, um, aside from that, we, we had a, uh, another fantastic guest, uh, on our show for, uh, for episode 10, the big, the big one. Oh, uh, we had baseball America's, uh, Ben Badler, who is a senior writer and scout, uh, for baseball America great guest uh we also had uh db2's quote-unquote baseball insider georgie lambracos georgie georgie on the show so uh it was a hell of an episode we were able to uh, talk a lot uh, a lot of baseball that was a fun new angle uh, i didn't know much about ben badler until uh, josh locked him up or actually george reached out to him georgie and i went on his socials and this guy's got over 100 grand and he's he's connected with almost every young prospect uh at least in the states, he does a oh, lot of overseas stuff too. Yeah, if you're on Ben Badler's radar, you're uh, you're in good shape. It's pretty cool. I, I did a little digging before we had him on, and uh, he knows his stuff. He gave us a lot of good insight, especially stuff down south in, uh, mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, Dominican, and how things work. It was, it was really kind of the, the stone cutter for for um, for the prospecting, and that's in that regard. Yeah, like he was he was talking a lot about how signing a lot of these international prospects before you'd give them boatloads of money but there was no true scouting on them mm-hmm. then he kind of was uh, a little bit of uh the beginning i'd say for for breaking in and getting some good scouting on those guys so it was pretty cool but before we before we get uh and, and drop the interview here with uh with ben badler we were talking about baseball as a whole and just talking about the big leagues and uh, uh you know a lot of stuff going on right now in in the leagues uh, especially with the sticky stuff yeah, the sticky uh, stuff's taking over right sticky now. Sticky stuff. Um, what, what's your what's your take on that? Like, like uh, do you, do you feel you know, especially just over the years? Um, obviously, we had like you know the Astros, you know, cheating fucks. Um, but then we've we've had you know steroid scandals and whatnot, and just over the years, like, do you feel like baseball somewhat is is going through a rough period and uh, maybe uh, dare I, I say a decline yeah i i'd say they're constantly going through one issue or another first it was the juiced balls recently obviously Mm. the astros and stein ceiling the juice era it's had a lot of black eyes i mean i'm not overly passionate on on one way or another on this subject but it well we were talking like it seems like baseball's constantly has a black cloud over their players and particularly their superstars right now it's some of the best pitchers in the league, they're trying to they're trying to blast for the sticky stuff. I mean, pitchers have been using rosin and pine tar mm-hmm. for years, and it's kind of been an unwritten rule because players are getting stronger, they're throwing faster, batters want them using this stuff so they can control the strike zone, right? Absolutely. They don't want to be throwing hundred off their fucking forehead. Uh, <laughs> the spider tack stuff obviously may have taken it to a whole new level, but I mean half like you're already what two months into a season and then you're just going to start implementing this tyler glass now today found out he tore his ucl might need surgery and he's pretty much saying it's because he's overcompensating because he's not allowed to use any sticky stuff and he's been using it his whole career so a lot of question marks i listened to an awesome interview sorry i'm dragging on no Uh, no 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 michael k the uh play-by-play for the yankees he was on with uh mad dog today and he kind of led me to this insight that I just spewed to you guys, but made a good point. I mean, baseball is spending a lot of time in with a lot of negative media and taking out a lot of their top players, and it doesn't do good because they're already an unpopular sport compared to 25 years ago. So I don't know. It's in a rough spot. 
I mean, you got to be, you know, just to just to maybe uh, push push aside that uh, that gloomy cloud of uh, you know where the where the league is heading. But man, if you're if you're a Jays fan, you got to like what you're seeing Ooh. right now out of Vladdy, just Ooh. pumping it. Watching the game yesterday, tying it up uh, um, at the top of the nine, just blasting it four hundred fifty fucking feet to tie the game. And man, that guy's playing out of his mind. He's leading all All Star votes. Like it, it, and Semyon who's is in the mix as well. I mean, he's leading all votes for second second baseman. So like, you know, the the Jays are there. The Jays are there. They're um, there. They're there. And it's 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 exciting. We obviously need to figure out a lot of pitching, but uh, you know, it is exciting if you're a Jays fan right now. And um, we need to get back. We need to get them home. So we, we gotta get, get home so we can go to a ball game. That's, yeah, that's the next key. I mean, we're watching all these young studs come. I don't up think it's happening this season Buffalo. though. No, no, I don't think no. so. I Fuck. I know that. I mean, like, I I don't know. I don't think so. I know that next year that they said I think they're bringing back the Raptors. So that's it's <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I uh, just to go Says back to Vladdy. Fan. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. Uh, I think Sportsnet put a little comparison of him and uh, Vladdy Senior in his MVP season and his stat line through however many games juniors played this year and it was almost identical except junior had probably five or six more bombs so i mean not I to mean, get ahead of like ourselves one. but he's playing like he's playing MVP. out of his mind he might be even the favorite in the al for the mvp right now but i might be talking out of my ass because i had a two yups <laughs> boogie ups again proud sponsors <laughs> send of me this, a beer <laughs> of this podcast uh but let's get right into it man really stoked to have uh, ben badler on the show so again this is the the senior writer and scout of baseball america's uh this is ben badler uh for episode 10 of the damn by two podcast here it is all right what can i get you Hey, Bubs, I'll get a round of uh, fun waters for me and the boys. <laughs> okay, one round of alcoholic seltzers for the basic bro over here. Wait, what'd you just call me? Oh, well, you just ordered a round of seltzers. Wouldn't you rather a round of beers? Well, yeah, but I gotta work on my summer body, bro. Okay, okay, look, I get it. So you're looking for something light, right? Yup. Okay, something crisp? Yup. Super crushable? <laughs> yup. 100 calories, low in carbs? Double yup. Well, it sounds like you need a round of yups. I see what you did there. Is this where I say yup? <laughs> yup. Yup beer, made with all natural ingredients and only $1.85 a can. Available in over 200 locations across Ontario. Visit yupbeer.com to find a store near you. Thank you. 
we've actually been uh, pretty stoked for this. We've been waiting all month uh, for this date till the end of May to uh, have our next guest on the show. Uh, so we're super stoked to be sitting here with uh, the senior writer and scout for Baseball America, Ben Badler's on the show. Ben, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. We're also here with uh, George, who's been dubbed our uh, our uh, Down by Two baseball insider. Uh, so we just talk a lot of smack when it comes to... baseball uh, guy? Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Georgie? <laughs> Good, boys. How are you today? Yeah, doing it's great all right? To ha- yeah, it's great to have the boys here. Um, That's it. Be- Ben, we've been, uh, we got to ask you because we, we all follow you on uh, on social media and you're just all over the place. So where the hell are you uh, right now, like this evening? Uh, right now I'm actually at home. It's, I mean, that's the hard thing. It's not a complaint, but it's like, I, you know, I just spent uh, about 10 days or so driving around the Northeast, going through mostly some of the top high school prospects in the area, but mm-hmm. it's, it is a lot of driving and then going around and traveling. And it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta like stay at home so I can make all these calls around to different scouts and be able to sit at home and and just you know, actually write reports and put together videos on <laughs> on yeah. all these guys. So I, I love the travel, but yeah, right now just staying at home. We got a you know a bunch of draft updates coming up, so I'm making sure we get that all squared away. And where where is home for you? I'm in the Boston area right now. Okay, right on. That's fantastic. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah, great area for for baseball, uh, especially <laughs> yeah. before the Red Sox won the World Series, and everyone was just. Uh, it's a great it's a great baseball town but people are out of their minds for uh for for a long time but uh, i think it's uh maybe settled down a little bit but <laughs> still, oh yeah still uh still pretty passionate fan base to uh to put it that way Man. oh it's been a great time to be a red Sox fan the last 20 years for sure yeah yeah, no, yeah not, a, not a bad time for boston sports in general boston sports in general i mean like we're all toronto sports fans i mean you're over from windsor so you uh your allegiance lies with detroit but uh i mean like i got a lot of buddies that just say fuck boston in general like it's, oh, yeah. it's, no, it's, it's an easy you guys fuck us so hard all the time man it's uh but it's hey you know it's it's, it's got to be sweet to be a boston sports fan where where do your allegiance lie ben Always, always curious when I talk to people who are kind of more on the media side, as far as baseball goes, do you, do you identify with the true team? I grew up, uh, I grew up a Red Sox fan, just okay. growing up in Boston, being six years old in Boston. That's what, that's what happens. But <laughs> I've been, been working at Baseball America since 2007. And it's, it's weird, like pretty quickly after that, you just kind of lose, like, like, I just love baseball. It's it's not even rooting for a team anymore. I don't think of it that way. Other yeah. people, just you know, friends I know who are just baseball fans who don't work in baseball are like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean? But it just, yeah. I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch any game. It doesn't matter who's playing. I just, I just want to see a, a good game and, and follow the sport. Well, we we generally like to start the uh, show and just kind of give uh, give our uh, our listeners a bit of a background on on who you are, and we were totally interested. We love to know you know where it all started, uh, especially for you, um, just growing up, obviously in Boston and and having that love for baseball. But uh, how did how uh, did that sort of play out, and you know find yourself to where you were in two thousand seven when you ended up joining Baseball America? Yeah, I, I always like you said, I, I always just loved baseball love sports in in general and when i was when i was in high school just applying to colleges i applied to schools based on which schools had sport management or good sport management 
mm-hmm. programs because I knew I wanted to work in sports. So luckily, UMass Amherst, my state school, had a really good sport management program, and I could pay state tuition to go there. So I got very, very lucky and, and very yeah. fortunate in in that regard. So I went to UMass, graduated in in sport management, and at the time, I thought I wanted to work for a major league club uh, and work in a front office and in some capacity and out of school, I got started at baseball America as, as an intern in 2007. And they ended up offering me a a full-time job uh, later that summer. So unreal ideal. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was awesome. That was, I, you know, I so I was living down in in Durham, North Carolina, which is or in the the, the offices in Durham. So I was living in right next door in Raleigh, which is a, a great area for mm-hmm. baseball. There's so many different levels of, or so many different college baseball teams, some good high school programs in the area, so many Absolutely. different minor league clubs. USA Baseball has their facility in Cary, which is really close by. So. Uh, you could see the college national team, some big high school events that that come through there. Um, you know, the Cuban national team would would come through there sometime when they would play the college uh, the college national team for for the U.S. So it was a great area for for baseball to be able to to live down there for for about five years before I came back up to uh, to work remotely from from Boston. But yeah, when I got started, it was just doing a little bit of of everything, summer college, baseball league coverage, um, helping out with, you know, a little bit of the, the draft, a lot of minor league stuff too, like the minor league coverage I really gravitated toward and, and did a lot of that and, and our international coverage too, which until I got there was, I mean, it existed, but in a very nascent form, I kind of said, look, we cover the draft like total maniacs to a degree that is probably overkill, but <laughs> people love. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we love it too. So I said, you know, about a quarter of our prospect handbook at the time, the top 30 prospects in each organization are international players and, and primarily Latin American players. But why, why don't we cover them? Not the exact same way. Cause it's not the exact same thing, but um, you know, when these players are signing at 16, 17, 18 years old, we should do, you know, what's, let's do a little bit more coverage on these guys before they sign and, and right when they sign. So we have some more information on them, uh, right off the bat when, when they sign and that, that international coverage has kind of really grown and, and grown and grown over the years. It's, uh, it's amazing how much the, uh, just the international signing landscape has, has changed over the last, 10, 15 years or even over the last uh, and, three, and four, were, five years. You were the pioneer for that. So that's, uh, that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. Even, it's, even have uh, that. it's, it's, it's been great to see the, just kind of the growth of it, both mm-hmm. at, at baseball America and just the growth of the industry as a whole in terms of the, the way the signing and scouting and, and development process has, has evolved for, for those players. It's, I, I think that, process that teams go through right now to sign players is so much more thorough than it was 10, 15 years ago. I remember be talking to an international scouting director about a player they signed for a lot of money. 
And I would ask, you know, you know, what did you see from this guy in, in games as far as how he hit live pitching? And they said, well, you know, we saw some live BPs and things like that, but we, you know, we didn't really, we haven't really seen how he's done in games yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they would be signing guys based heavily off of workouts, you know, the 60 yard dash, BP, infield, outfield, again, maybe some live BP type stuff. Uh, sim game type stuff, but not a whole lot of games. And you can imagine that's not a great way to make decisions on, on players. It's, it's hard enough already to try to project kids who are, you know, 16, 17 years old in, in that environment. And there was a lot of money spent on a lot of players who, uh, never ended up doing too much. Exactly. And, and I tell you, that's part of the nature of trying to project kids at 16 years old. But uh, I think the process now the teams are going through to evaluate these players is a lot more thorough than it than it used to be, and that's why you're seeing players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or you know Wander Franco coming up now. These guys who are you know getting a lot of money, who are the top players in their class, uh, you know Glaber Torres, those kind of guys. All right, the, you have a much more thorough process on these guys, and these guys are really starting to come through and and deliver. Absolutely. And I mean, like, man, you've been at this for, for quite some time. And so you probably have some some incredible stories of some standout players that you got to see at a very young age and uh, see them kind of blossom. Even I find that kind of more interesting sometimes than some of these highly touted players um, and the ones that you got to see at a very young age. Are there any specific standout players um, that, that you can recall? Um, probably a I lot. Mean, <laughs> yeah, probably a lot. Yeah. <laughs> It, like I mean, the the I would say the best player I've ever covered as uh I mean the, the two best guys I've ever covered as prospects I would say would be Steven Strasburg, who I mean the stuff he was doing in college was just unbelievable. <laughs> it, yeah. it, he was throwing a hundred miles an hour with, and, and this was back in what two thousand eight or two thousand nine, back before. You know, half the league was throwing 100 miles an hour before all the velocity exploded. But absolute wipeout breaking ball. He had a a plus changeup, but he wasn't going to use it against college hitters. It was, I mean, it it was like watching a front of the rotation starter, but in college, he was just so so much better than everybody else. It was it was ridiculous. And then I remember seeing Bryce Harper play in high school. Mm-hmm. As as an underclassman going up on the field against some of the top players who would be you know drafted the next the next summer, and it was like even then it was like a man among boys. I mean, it was he was a catcher at the time too, and you can see the arm. He has a top of the scale arm, so he'd be constantly trying to throw behind runners, and he had just <sighs> crazy crazy bat speed and power and so much aggression to everything. He did. It was he, like I can't. I can't believe how good this guy is. <laughs> he was a bit of a legend. Like at fifteen, he was in Sports Illustrated. I remember he was supposed to be the next great thing. Yeah, like, and if- you figure like, how is this guy going to live up to these kind of expectations? But like, I mean, I don't know. Unless your expectations, you'd be like, you know, Barry Bonds or something. <laughs> I mean, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's delivered pretty well for all the hype that was put on a you know a fifteen, sixteen year old kid. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, like, obviously, like he was destined for stardom from a very young age. But um, what are some of those diamonds in the rough, you know, especially even in some uh, international settings that, you know, on your travels that you've been able to go down and scout? Like those are those are some that I'm really interested in. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, I mean, like, you know, like Ronald Acuna was not a big time like and. He he was not like a big time international signing, and I I didn't see him before he signed because he you know like I said he was not a big <laughs> he was yeah. not a big signing. It's not like people were like oh you got to see this guy like Ronald Acuna. I think he signed for a hundred thousand dollars, which you know a decent bonus, but certainly not a top tier or even second or maybe even third tier mm-hmm. type type of bonus but just the the buzz he was getting the next year out of the the gulf coast league was was really impressive and obviously he trended way way up since then but uh, you know him and then ozzy albies i remember seeing ozzy albies when he 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 probably was either 15 or 16 i mean he's 58 now right or maybe 58 at the time he was probably <laughs> He's probably like five foot seven. I mean, he probably weighed like 128 pounds or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it, it, it was just small, small guy, skin and bones. He had some like quick twitch athleticism to him. He could run, but I was like, what? I don't I understand. Yeah. yeah, like it looks like the bat is swinging him, right? Like, he, like <laughs> he looks like the bat. I mean, it, it was. I, I was like, all right, here's this. Like, you know, he's got some speed. He has some athleticism. He's he's from Curacao. Just like he's physically behind the other kids who were at that showcase that day, who were you know some of the better prospects from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela, who were just like bigger and stronger than him. And he went out to the, I was very surprised. I think they sent him out of the Gulf Coast League his first year. Uh, I thought, wow, this, this guy might get <laughs> the bat knocked out of his hands, but he actually has, you know, you can see like really good contact skills. And even then I thought, all right, well, all right, this guy looks like a really promising prospect, but still like a young skinny kid would not have thought he would in his early twenties be hitting, you know, 25 bombs in. Yeah in the big leagues. So you just, you see these guys at 15, 16 years old and yeah, I mean, sometimes you see a Vladdy jr or a Wander Franco or, you know, Eloy Jimenez, you know, some guys like that where it's just like, Holy, Holy smokes, but no brainer. Yeah. yeah, Then sometimes it's, it's guys like that where um, a lot, a lot can change for these guys in, in a pretty short amount of time. Can I ask what for international signing? You have to be what sixteen, or mm-hmm. is it even? Young? Yeah. And how does it work for? Is it highest bidder? I'm not 100 percent sure on how the international signing, like the rules, are in place for each team. Is it a free for all pretty much down there? So every team has a bonus pool that they're allowed to spend, and right. each bonus pool is is roughly equal. The teams that are considered like the small, either small market or smaller, lower revenue teams, basically the teams that get the comp picks in the draft, they get a little bit of extra money, but it's, it's not a ton. Uh, if you sign free agents who rejected the qualifying offer, uh, you lose, you know, I think like 500,000 or a million dollars from your pool, but everybody starts out with roughly equal ish amounts of money that they can spend. 
and yeah, so there's there's no draft. So that's that is one of the great things about the free agency aspect of the international market is that in the draft, hey, we pick, you know, we have the twentieth pick in the draft, but all right, we might be higher on you know certain a certain player we want to get them but we can't just go out and like beat other teams to that player we have to wait our turn wait for 20 or we wait for 19 guys to go off the board make our pick then wait probably another you know 30 for another 30 guys to go off the board uh make our pick again wait or like you know there's certain things you can do and like you know manipulate your bonus pool in the draft and and maneuver things around a little bit but in free agency internationally Hey, like if if we go and, and identify Wander Franco before anybody else, we can go and and make him an offer and lock him up to, uh, you know, it's it's not legally binding, but we can you know reach a reach an agreement with him to sign when when the signing date comes. So the, obviously, you know, the signing date is you know, the, the official opening of the signing period, but a lot of these mm-hmm. agreements are happening a year now, two plus years sometimes in advance of when the players are, are officially eligible to sign on that opening signing date. But yeah, internationally it's all right. Any, any team can bid uh, or, or can try to reach, reach an agreement with a player. Everybody's on roughly in an equal playing field. in in that sense, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I have a question too. Like, where I always think about it, it's like obviously the Jays in the '90s were all over the Dominican. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen the growth of that market be very known, right? Like, you know, the decision making factor on the team side—they see talent, they want to sign them. But I always wonder, like, you know, how are these kids making these decisions? Um, you know, like where where is their decision factor? Like, what are they looking for? Do you have any insight as, like, what? You know, maybe an example or something kind of just give us a little insight on that side of the decision process, because I feel like it doesn't really get really talked about as much, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, yeah, usually it, it the the decision comes down to who's offering most the money. most money. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's probably going to be the only major payday for the majority Eight years, of these, nine years. Yeah, yeah, of these players. Yeah, you know, even if they if they get to the major leagues or if they get put on a forty man roster and and start making a little more than the you know eight or nine grand or whatever that they're they're making as a minor league salary and and even less in in yeah. in rookie ball. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's 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 you know, life changing money for for a lot of these kids and yeah. and their families. So I, I think money is is the driving factor but sometimes yeah i mean sometimes a kid visits in an academy and you know oh, i visited the pirates academy and i love the i love the facility it's a beautiful facility i love the people here i you know you know spent a week here um you know living here for um you know just as a tryout player and really like the environment and and they made me they made me an offer and you know maybe maybe i can get some more money elsewhere but i i really like it here so yeah that that relationship that they've built with me and, and what i've seen from them so far i'm i'm going to i'm going to take this now or then continue to go around and and do more tryouts and try to increase my my value that way i mean there's also risk that you know again every team has a bonus pool so if you know the 
if you turn them down, all right, well, maybe they don't have the money <laughs> later on in, in that process if you want to go back to them. So there's there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it. But I would say, yeah, the, the predominant factor is is money. But yeah, sometimes those those other factors come into play as well. That's so young thinking about it. These kids oh, 15, yeah. having to make decisions like that. That's intense. I bet there's a lot of agents going down there now too, trying to scoop up some of the talent as soon as they hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these kids all have, uh, like, tra- like trainers, they're, you know, trainers or agents, whatever you want to call them. I don't typically use the word agent cause it, it like, they're not MLB PA certified yeah. agents. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, mostly, mostly men who are running a, a program who are, you know, feeding and often housing and training and paying for all these kids, uh, equipment, bat, gloves, spikes, field, um, airfare, if, if they're traveling, um, you know, pay, 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 basically paying for everything up front, uh, so, you know, in exchange for a larger cut of their, um, you know, their bonus if, if, and when they do sign. But yeah, I mean, just, just, just agents who are trying to even represent, you know, MLBPA agents who are trying to represent Latin American players. It's, it's even more yeah. competitive for, for them now to get to these players earlier, uh, or at younger ages. Uh, cause it, it didn't, you didn't, you didn't really used to see a lot of, you know, first year Latin American signings who had, um, you know, agents who were certified by the union. And now a lot of these kids are, are either coming into pro ball with agents or, you know, by the time they're, they sign or the time they're in the DSL, <laughs> they have, yeah. uh, they have people representing them already. Oh, that's crazy. Um, kind of speaking like, uh, geographically and, and you talk about, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of talent now coming out of the Bahamas and whatnot, but what are some of the hotbeds that you see, um, a ton of talent coming out and even some that might even be on the rise, um, when it comes to new talent coming in? Yeah. I mean, the, the two predominant ones obviously are the, the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. It's probably something like 90% of signings are, are coming from there. Cuba, Cuba is a different animal altogether, altogether. because you have to leave the country itself to be able to sign. So mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you, you don't have as great of a scouting read on those players as you, you know, as you would from a player from the Dominican Republic or, or Venezuela. Um, but it's, I mean, who, I, I, I don't know what the future of, you know, <laughs> way, way above my pay grade of like what the future of us Cuba relations hold, but obviously <laughs> there, there's a lot of good, like young players in Cuba. A lot of the older players who are like, you know, 20 and up have already, have already left. You can see it on the Cuban national team. Whenever they go out, it, it's just a bunch of veteran guys who, you know, just, you know, maybe be like independent ball players in, in the United States. But, um, but there, you know, there are a lot of, you do see like young Cuban players coming up who are, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, those, those youth tournaments that they have at, at international tournaments are always well, well attended. So scouts can, mm-hmm. can see those, um, you know, those young players when they can. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Bahamas. It's, you know, I think there's some ceiling on, just how much of an impact the Bahamas can have. Cause it's a pretty small yeah. population. Like there's just yeah. not that many <laughs> people there. Like the Dominican Republic is not that large of a country. It's uh, like 12, 14 million people. But I mean, I think the Bahamas is 
a hundred thousand, two hundred. Like it's it's pretty small. But that said, like you know, now we're seeing guys like Jazz Chisholm come through, and we're seeing prospects like uh, Christian Robinson and and Taj Thomas, and like every year. I mean, there's you know, there's going to be another one this this upcoming class. Um, Ryan Reckley from from the Bahamas, a shortstop, will probably get over uh, two million dollars. So it's it's definitely there's some really really good athletes coming out of the Bahamas. They haven't played a lot of baseball growing up historically. It, it just hasn't been a huge sport there. But I think over the next ten years, as these kids, you know, as these youth programs start to grow in the Bahamas, and they're looking up to guys like Jazz Chisholm and like Christian Robinson mm-hmm. and and some of these other prospects from the Bahamas, you're you're gonna see the just the level of of baseball and the level of baseball skilled players coming out of the Bahamas increase. So again, I, I think there's some, you know, limit to just how many players you can squeeze out of a country yeah. that size, but but I think it's definitely a country that's trending up for sure yeah those boys are all pure athleticism too christian robinson just a monster of a human so um ben i had a question too so like you looking back there's always been the history historically the challenge of uh, age manipulation and like you know in the 90s and the 2000s there was always that guy who you found out that was actually 37 where his birth certificate was 25 is that still a big concern with in South American prospects, age manipulation. Cause you see some of these kids on your page and they're like 15 years old. And you're like, this kid is, uh, how is this child this, this large? <laughs> like, how are they pumping out? Yeah. Like what's in the water kind of thing. Right. So, uh, Cuba historically, you're like wondering, you're like, what, what's going on here? How are these kids so big? And, and is the age manipulation still something that, that is a problem or a potential issue? I, th- I think it was a lot easier to do years ago especially like mlb was not even investigating players background uh and and the money was so much smaller so they probably didn't even really care Uh, like oh we signed a guy for eight thousand dollars but he's three years older oh okay there goes like eight that like (laughs) what's 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 yeah it's a fake name (laughs) yeah but I, i i think it's I'm, I'm sure it still happens and I'm sure it still exists. Um, and, and MLB still does catch players from time to time who are, are presenting false ages or, or false identities. And I don't know that I even really trust MLB's investigations all that much anyway. Uh, and, and I think a lot of teams would feel the same way. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's still probably does happen and and does occur but i don't think it's anywhere near to the level where it was you know happening like you were saying back in back in the 90s or or early 2000s when you could probably just literally put white out over a you know a a birth certificate and and have it fly yeah absolutely um obviously you spend a lot of time uh touring the states you know east to west coast um do you see like what are some of the differences between some of the talent that you see on the east coast you know even in the carolinas and and even uh you know when it comes around to connecticut and what have you uh all the way over to you know california ball and west coast and, and even the types of players that you see how do they compare um 
Yeah, I mean, just I, I think just geographically, the kids in the warm weather states have just have an advantage where you can just go outside and play. Yeah. 12 months a year. Some of them probably should dial it back even <laughs> a little bit. bit. Yeah. And I think that's probably better than maybe it used to be in, in some cases. But yeah, I mean, like if, if there's, there are ways you can get better as a player in an indoor environment, but just, you know, having access to, to fields and being able to play outside in whether it's in socal or florida or texas uh, i think does yeah it just it just gives you a leg up over the you know the players from the northeast or or the players from from the midwest now i I do think and we're seeing this year like it's it's like an all-time historic year for for draft talent in in the northeast it may be like a bit of a one-year aberration like i don't think it's going to be quite as good next year but even yeah. still like New Jersey, New Jersey and Pennsylvania are still going to be strong next year. So I, 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 hopefully it's, it's hopefully it's a trend that that stays, but I mean, there's only, yeah. you know, like, especially if you're, if you're an outfielder, if it, and you're in Florida or, 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 you know, in Latin America too, you, you just have an advantage to be able to track fly balls off the bat. Like you can go out in batting practice and shag, shag fly balls. You can play more games and you yeah. can do that from, you know, you do that October, November, December, January, February, March. Can't really do that if you're in Wisconsin or New no. Hampshire <laughs> or, good, or New no. Jersey. Yeah. So I think just, just that weather, that geographic advantage uh, is, is a real thing for, um, for players. Absolutely. Right, or you can be from Ontario and it can be minus 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can be yeah. taking ground balls off the turf all winter. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. If you, fuck if you're lucky. Um, okay. Let's, let's kind of switch it over to uh, what's going on uh, right now in, um, you know, just current day prospects and whatnot. And we, we'd love to hear some insight as to, you know, some, maybe even some of our favorite teams, you know, because we obviously, we love the Jays. Um, Tigers yeah. fan over here. I I've grown up watching a bit of the cards too, so um, maybe just shed some light on some of the prospects that we have. Like we obviously know some of the top prospects, but we'd love to get your insight on yeah, that. Yeah, anyone who stands out to you, like on that side, we'd love to kind of hear that. Yeah, I was going to ask about uh, Spencer Torkelson, top pick for uh, the Tigers, and what you think about him. I think he went undrafted out of high school, and then he ends up being the first pick out of college. And did you see? Did you see? Did you happen to come across him? In his younger days, not until not until he got to got to college. Yeah. Um, but wow, I mean, I, he does everything in the box that you look for. Uh, I mean, I know they announced him as like a third baseman on draft day. Uh, I don't think that's <laughs> yeah. Or like, uh, first. I don't know about yeah. that. I'll just stick it like, but just I mean, even even then, like we we he was a he was a consensus number one overall pick as a player that everybody thought was going to play first base, which is really unusual and also speaks to just how good of a hitter and how much power he has. It's, it's a really good swing. The, the parts move well in sequence. It's a lot of bat speed. It's, uh, you know, if, if not top of the scale, close to the top of the scale 
raw power. He he does it in games. It's obviously he missed his his junior season. Everybody pretty much did just due to COVID. But the the track record of of performance that he has both with uh, metal and and wood bats is is outstanding. So uh, just just about everything you could ask for in in a hitter. Obviously, he's going to have to hit a lot as a first baseman, but but I think he will. I think he's going to be a perennial all-star middle of the lineup type guy for them that's what i'd like to hear also it, <laughs> it also goes to this show though someone coming out of high school no one really hears anything about and that that time frame that eight like a couple years and all of a sudden you're the top pick goes to show how hard it is kind of to to project some of these kids when they're 15 16 versus 19 oh yeah right? i mean going so back to like, like strasburg too and like like i said he was the best college player i've ever seen or the best and certainly the best pitching prospect i've ever seen undrafted out of high school i remember talking to him when he was in college and he was said yeah he's like basically in high school i was like a little chubby like i was overweight i didn't really understand how to work hard i think he was up to maybe like 91 or 92 in high school six six guy or, or however tall he is big guy uh, but he got to San Diego State as a freshman. And he was like, oh, my God. He's like puking at workouts and stuff. And um, <laughs> he just like he just he just he, he just transformed himself in college. I, I think it's it's probably more common to see that with pitchers where, you know, their stuff takes off and all of a sudden it's 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 a new guy than it is with with hitters. But I mean, Torkelson's a, a good example. We I mean, Sal Freelich, who's at Boston College, a center fielder this year who's probably going to be a top 10 overall pick, I think. And he, you know, not really looked at much in in high school coming out of the draft from, from Massachusetts, 5'9", smaller guy, but uh, super quick twitch, explosive guy who can, who can fly, really good hitter, premium position in, in center field. So, yeah, I mean... It's it's try, trying to project players that young. It's like you said, sometimes they they can get a lot better over over the course of a few years or, or even even less than that. Do you find that there's a reluctance for high school players just because of their hesitation to sign? You see a lot of guys who get signed first round or drafted first round and they don't or second round. They next year they're going first is is our teams kind of may, maybe taking a little bit of a step back knowing that in the scouting and the evaluation process? I think teams have stepped back more for like, as far as looking at some of the history and trends of how certain demographics of players have turned out. Like, I I think it's what we see that right now, especially with high school pitchers and especially high school, right-handed pitchers. There, there may be an exception this year because it's kind of an unusual draft, but you pretty much never see high school pitchers drafted, or certainly a high school right-handed pitcher drafted in the top ten picks. Uh, it, it not in the last few drafts. We used to see it with, you know, Brady Aiken, Tyler Kolick, Cole Stewart, Riley Pine. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> these guys were like huge <laughs> deals coming out of high school, and and just the track record, really, just the track record of first round picks who are high school right-handed pitchers has not been very good because there's just so much that can go wrong. Typically you need to still project on the stuff getting 
a little bit better. Usually these guys are, you know, already have pretty good stuff, but you know, you're, you're not seeing them facing, you know, pro hitters. You're not seeing how they're going to hold up over a, a full minor league season workload. Even it's, you know, they're, they're throwing maybe once a week in, in high school, they might throw 40, 50 innings, something like that. Uh, there, there's just so many things that can go wrong <laughs> the way for, for a high school pitcher. So I think you're seeing them. And, and, and I think the track record of high school catchers too is pretty poor when you're looking at certain, certainly first round or top of the draft, uh, early draft picks among high school catchers. The, the track record has been really poor. Uh, I mean, we've seen, you know, some guys like Will Myers or, or Bryce Harper is another example of guys who, you know, ended up moving off the, position where, where it turned out good because the bat was so good but otherwise the, the track <laughs> those guys has been not so hot so we've seen teams more recently like, steer clear of those guys and and you know college bats are really the, the safest bet in the draft so those guys tend to get uh, stuffed up the list a little bit more mm-hmm. cool absolutely um, so yeah no we touched um, just touched on I guess uh, some of the some of the Detroit prospects Torkelson um, who do you like coming up in uh, in the Jays future yeah, like everybody I mean we have like, <laughs> we got like we got eight, a few we got like eight I mean the, the Tigers have a lot of guys too but yeah Blue Jays have like eight guys I think right now in our in top, top 100 prospects yeah, yeah. I mean unreal M- Manoa is trending up obviously like I mean one of the bigger I, you know I think everybody knows about like you know uh Simeon Woods Richardson and Jordan Groshans and obviously Austin Martin, a big pick mm-hmm. last year. And, and I mentioned Huge. Manoa, um, but Gabriel Moreno, a catcher who, I mean, another good example, catcher signed out of Venezuela for, I don't know, maybe like 30 grand, 35 grand, something like that. Mm-hmm. Went to the DSL his first year. I think every number of his slash line started with a two. But he was really good athlete for a catcher and had really didn't strike out all that much. Went to the GCL the next year, was, was better there. Again, didn't strike out much. He has really, really good hand-eye coordination, really good bat-to-ball skills, really hard to strike him out, sometimes almost to his own detriment where he'll expand the strike zone and still make contact and it's like well mm. all right gotta learn to just like lay off those pitches and learn which pitches you should swing at which ones you can drive but uh just that that fundamental or, or that foundation of having a guy who has really good contact skills is a, a really good quality to have in a young hitter and his his swing has kind of transformed over the years it's become more of a uh more of a dynamic swing Kind of similar to like other Blue Jays hitters, like you know Bo Bichette or like Bautista uh, when he was there, Donaldson when he was there. Just you know some bigger, flowing, moving parts to it. I think that's helped his power take off, and he's just been going, just been going bananas this year. And 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 I heard about it last year too. Like it sounded like he was probably their best hitter at the alternate training site last year. But he got there late, so he wasn't really there for that long. He did go to mm. Venezuela and for winter ball and played well there too. But obviously, with like everything last year, you don't know how much weight to put into it. So he was like just on the cusp of our top 100 coming into the year, and just 
the both both the early season performance, which obviously is still a small sample size, but but that combined with the reviews early on from scouts who are seeing him have just been like, whoa, this guy needs to move. This guy needs to move up, man. Like he's yeah. he's really good. He's he's one of the top <laughs> catching prospects in, in the game right now. That's amazing. That's great to hear. And I know he just popped into the top 100. He just kind of snuck in more recently, right? Or yeah, according yeah. to MLB. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We put him in there. We're going to do another update soon and promise you he's going to be even higher than where we have him right now. So that's great. <laughs> he's, he's, he's definitely moving up. No, that's great to hear. I think the common fan has grown a little bit smarter to the prospect system in in Toronto as far just because of having Bo and and Vladdy, it it causes people to kind of search below and be like, okay, who else we got, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to hear that we've we've got I think eight, like you said, in the top one hundred coming up on top of what we already have. So yeah, so I mean, and, and there's, there's yeah. good depth too. I, I like I think it's. Yeah. I think we ranked them third overall in our farm system rankings. I know we had them top five coming into the year because it's just a really, I think it's a really balanced system too. Like there's there's guys at the obviously the upper levels, you know Manoa. Well, Manoa's up now, and you know Moreno and Groshans and Martin and and those guys. But even down to to the lower levels, some of the more recent signings like Manuel Beltre. Uh, shortstop they just signed out of the Dominican Republic, a Steven Machado, uh, a shortstop from their 2019 class who, you know, technically hasn't made his official debut yet just because of COVID last year. But I've mm-hmm. seen him. He's a really exciting young switch hitting shortstop. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really you, you have those top end guys like like we said, eight guys in our top 100. But I think it's also a really balanced system all all throughout down to the lower levels too cool yeah we were touching on uh, we were actually chatting about this the um the other day with manoa getting called up and like love to see it but also hate to see it just because we had to call him up we just had no other choice right now because we're just so short on pitching but um yeah definitely really stoked to see him um any other uh, any other prospects that you kind of have your eye on as well that um you know could could rise up the ranks um just in general yeah, a couple guys. Um, I mean, Vidal Brujan in in Tampa Bay system. I mean, that's another like another guy like like Ozzy Albies, who smaller, speedy. I mean, seventy or eighty runner. Yeah, super twitchy, explosive little guy who makes a lot of contact. And now, I think he has like seven home runs already. I don't think he hit seven home runs all of 2019. So it's it's one of these, another one of these smaller guys who just makes a lot of contact, has really good feel for the barrel. And now it seems like the power is starting to come. Never quite know what the heck is going on with the baseballs and AAA now. Like, (laughs) I don't know how much I'm not saying he's like a 30 plus home run guy going forward now but he definitely seems like he has more power than he was showing before and i love vidal brujan when i thought he was that you know really speedy high contact get on base play you know second base center fields you know wherever the rays need him to play somewhere in the middle of the diamond i I really liked him then and it just seems like it's okay now if he's got power too (laughs) all right i guess we gotta we gotta move him up even more uh francisco alvarez too with the mets another 
really good Venezuelan catcher, uh, the number one prospect for for the Mets. He can he can really hit. Uh, he's got like an unusual body type, not like not like Alejandro Kirk, unusual, but yeah. it's uh, just like a stocky, strong guy. But he can really hit. Uh, I think he has a pretty good sense of of the zone. He's really strong. He's got power. He has a strong arm. I think there's some things defensively just as far as the blocking that he needs to clean up, but it's I, I think he's going to stay behind the plate and, and he has a chance to to be a middle of the lineup uh, type bat for them. And then another guy, Noel V. Marte with the Mariners. I mean, they already have Julio mm. Rodriguez. They signed Noel V. Marte out of the Dominican Republic the year after him. And Wow, I mean this this guy has a really really good swing. I think he has a good idea of the strike zone. He has a, a lot of bat speed, a lot of power. He's been playing shortstop. He's a good athlete. He he, he moves well uh, underway at least. I I don't know that he stays at shortstop, but if he goes to third base, fine. I mean, <laughs> I think he's gonna I think he's gonna hit. I think he's gonna get on base. I think he's gonna hit for a lot of power too. Uh, I think he's. I think he's a guy who could be pretty soon a top top fifty prospect in baseball, and and the upside to be a top twenty five type guy too. Ben, one more one more thing before you go. Jack Leiter is is he like the he's the real deal? I was reading the athletic stuff. Everyone just loves him. Is you do you see him kind of being in a Strasburg level ish, or I don't, what's your take I, on him? I, I do like Jack Leiter a lot. I think he has a stuff to be a front of the rotation type starter. I don't know that he's, I wouldn't put him at that Strasburg level. Like Strasburg was just like, it, 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 he, like he probably could have been like a frontline starter in the major leagues when he was <laughs> in college. He was just so head and shoulders better than anybody else. Leiter, I think, I mean, and the tough thing with Leiter is, you know, this is like really the first college season for him that we've that we've seen. Remember, I mean, he pitched a little bit last year, right? But then COVID shut everything down. So, yeah. um, you know, I like a lot of of what I see. It's it's a really good fastball, plays really well up in the zone. A lot of swing and miss on it. Just the the both the velocity and the life, just the way the the pitch plays. I think he has really good secondary stuff too. Uh, I mean, kind of like all these guys, we'll see how it holds up over the course of even just as, as Vanderbilt, I, I, I'm assuming gets to Omaha, <laughs> uh, just, yeah. you know, see how it holds up through there. I don't really have any concerns over that. I think he has a, you know, really, you know, a durable type frame, really good lower half. Um, he's, you know, really strong, uh, but you know, we'll see. But again, I, 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 I wouldn't put him quite at that Strasburg category but i do think like he, he's not that slam dunk number one overall pick yeah the way strasburg like this year it's i think it's very much up in the air who's gonna go one or even after that two or or three i think everybody or, or the public perception is maybe oh like you know you know lighter and kumar are gonna go one yeah. two overall it's just a matter of which which one but I was gonna say, isn't Kumar another one that another pitcher for Vanderbilt that was absolutely lights out in his time there, right? 
Yeah, yeah they, they could go one two basically. Though. Yeah, yeah, they could. It's and then there's these other high school shortstops with uh, you know Marcella Meyer out in California, Jordan yeah, Waller Jordan yeah. in Texas. Like Brady House is getting some attention. A uh, shortstop, maybe shortstop for now at least. <laughs> maybe move to third base from Georgia, and then Henry Davis, catcher at Louisville, who I think is in that conversation as well so i mean it's fun when you have a player like an adley rushman or spencer torkels and you're like well it's fun to see this guy who's like this you know standout favorite to be the number one overall guy and and he kind of carries that all the way through but it's also kind of fun where it's like ooh, like there's like some pretty (laughs) pretty close calls and pretty interesting decisions that all these teams with top say like four or five picks are, are going to have to make on draft day. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. Cool. That That's a crazy. nice take. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, man, again, thank you so much for uh, actually uh, be, having the chance to be able to come here and do the show again. This is the senior writer and scout for uh, baseball America, Ben Badler. It was absolutely great actually having you on the show and I'm um, glad that we were able to uh, find this time and hopefully again, have you uh, back on the show and, and talk about, you know, see something, some of these prospects uh, come up and, and make it to the majors and uh, we'll be able to reference back to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. I yeah. uh, really enjoyed the conversation with you guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, could go, we could go all day. Yeah. yeah. So many, I have so much questions just outside of baseball, like what the facilities are like in the Dominican and yeah. what are the top schools you'd recommend kids going to, but that'll be for another day. You got it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Again, that's Ben Baller from Baseball America. Thanks again, Ben. And there you have it. Ben Badler from Baseball America. Great to have him on the show. Great to have him on uh, the big, the big one zero tenth episode in the books. Uh, again, man, just such an interesting, uh, interesting guy to have on the show uh, with a unique perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Getting that scouting angle was definitely something, uh, something that was really interesting. I think the people will love it. Yeah. Happy uh, George locked him in, and hopefully we get Ben back soon. Yeah, Georgie, that's on you. Got to get Benny back. Uh, we definitely love to have him back on the show. Um, moving on uh, to episode eleven, we have uh, we're moving on back to Puck as the the playoffs thicken. We're down to we're down to four teams here. Um, we're, we'll get into it more when it comes to that episode. But we have a very special guest on the show, former NHL player, well traveled, well seasoned. Uh, just retired as well. Martin St. Pierre is our special guest for that show. Yeah, I think people really, really enjoy some of his stories. Well-traveled, as you, as you say. Yeah. Uh, had a cup of coffee with a handful of teams. And um, yeah. and I think his experiences overseas, are people are really going to love. And yeah. he still rubs elbows with a lot of the big-time players. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's just fresh off spitting chiclets as well. So uh, definitely stoked to have him on. So stay tuned. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you like it, um, just make sure, you know, you just show us some love. Show us some love because uh, we love doing it for you guys. So thank you so much uh, for listening. So uh, for, for Mike Fulmer and Josh Elijah, this is episode 10, Down by Two podcast. We fucking love you. Cheers. Cheers, folks.
Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.